you said you first decided to reach out to the people that you admired most, the top 100. That's pretty bold. I was thinking like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go big or go home. But I really thought bigger out of the gate because I had failed so royally the first time. I guess I hadn't really failed because I didn't really like lose anything, but I had tried to do this thing so poorly. I'm like, all right, well, if I'm going to do it as professional, do it the right way. Like, let's estimate the correct amount of effort here and just kind of go for it. Rain Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Unleash Your Supernova. Hi, I'm Nova Lorraine, your host and founder of Rain Magazine. And as you know, Rain Magazine is on a mission to inspire millions worldwide. We are excited to bring you another episode where we interview the gutsiest founders and rainmakers from around the globe in fashion, culture, and technology. Sit back and learn tips, hacks, and words of wisdom where you can unleash your superpowers. Today, I'm so excited to introduce you to Jeremy Slate. He is an entrepreneur, top 100 podcaster, and the founder of the top leading PR agency in the world of podcasting. Welcome, Jeremy. Hey, thanks for having me. Stoked to be here today. Yeah, and I'm excited to have you. And as you know, I came across your agency when I was looking to launch Unleash Your Supernova um, a few months ago and was extremely impressed by your story and what you're doing for other podcasters and looking forward to sharing that with our listeners. So thanks again for joining us. Absolutely. I I hope to, you know, share something that's going to help your audience move forward in, in some way, shape or form in their lives or business. Yeah, well, for those listeners out there, many of you have probably heard or listened to Jeremy's podcast, and um, as he's interviewed some of the leading experts in various industries across topics, the name of that podcast, as you know, is Create Your Own Life, and Jeremy has been one of the earliest adapters in the podcast world that I've met so far. He started listening in 2009 when they weren't even calling it podcasts, when it was still audiobooks. But he's been podcasting since 2014. And so he's been in the space for quite some time and is an expert and knows it hands down. But I want to share some really, really cool fun facts about Jeremy before we get into the world of podcasting and PR and hearing a little bit about his journey. But I bet most of you don't know that Jeremy has pulled an 80,000 pound Army tank. Guys, listen to this. 80,000 pounds on the back of an 18-inch... 18-wheeler. 18-wheeler. Okay, guys? Like, my head is still spinning from that. And has benched 455 pounds. Okay? I'm just saying. We need to work harder at the gym. (laughs) 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 I mean, whoa. Like That is incredible. So he's a power lifter. He also has a master's in ancient history. And uh, he has promised me another conversation, maybe another show, diving deep into ancient history. That's a hobby of mine now. He also studied literature. So he's so well-versed, and I'm really, really thrilled that he's here with us today. So let's go ahead and get started. Tell us about why PR and why podcasting. So, and you, you brought these two worlds together. So let's start with podcasting. What drew you to the world of becoming a podcaster? I wish I would say that there was some like glorious story about it, but it was more or less like, as I said, like I studied ancient history. So I like to use a lot of like what my dad would call like $10 words. So I like to use a lot of like long words to like sound smart. And I found out early on when, once I got into the world of like trying to figure out doing something online, like 
people didn't really like my writing because it was hard to read at first. And I had to really kind of learn how to do a better job with that. And with having a podcast, I could really just converse with people. And I naturally have always enjoyed that. So it was something that was much easier to do, in my opinion. And it also, honestly, like having a conversation with somebody is a lot easier than having to come up with all the content because you just really have an incredible conversation with somebody that's an expert. So for me, it was an opportunity to create content in a way that was easier for me. And also, I guess a little selfishly, it was an area where I could be a student as well. I could learn from some of the top performers and experts in the world that wouldn't give me the time of day if I didn't have a platform like I do as a podcast host. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, one of the things that I really enjoy out of doing this is the conversations, as you mentioned, and intimately getting to know uh, new individuals that are game changers and innovators and creatives and founders. And these individuals truly want to help people. And so it's thrilling, it's fun, and also you get to learn along the way. So yeah, those are all really good points. I also want to touch on the fact that you had mentioned in a um, previous conversation that how you also sort of found podcasting in terms of it being easier for conversations is you tried some other ventures first, right? So blogging, and then can you tell us a little bit about those other entrepreneurial ventures and then how that sort of led to the aha moment? (laughs) Well, so I had been uh, right out of grad school. I had gotten my master's and I was considering a PhD program. I applied to just one, which was NYU. I didn't get in. You know, honestly, if I had wanted to really do that, I probably should have worked harder at that and applied to more schools, but I didn't. (laughs) So, you know, that kind of left me with like, well, what do you do now? So I had, Mm -hmm. for like a period of time when I got out of school, I was painting houses and managing the gym. So I was working like 16, 17 hours a day, working a lot. And I'm kind of like, man, I hate this. I actually ran Mm -hmm. into a friend of the family who was like, you know, the private school I'm at is looking for teachers. I'm like, oh, I can do that because you don't really need any credentials here in New Jersey to do that. So I ended up doing that. And about a year into that, my mom ended up having a really bad stroke. And we've still, you know, kind of been dealing with, you know, the repercussions and and how we can help her and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. it kind of made me look at, I guess, my own mortality and like what I was doing. So it really hit me super, super hard. And I wasn't very happy once I got in that teaching world. So I wasn't happy at all. So I'm like, all right, well, what am I going to do? And my wife was presented with a network marketing opportunity. I didn't know what that was. So I saw this presentation. I'm like, oh, millionaire next week. Great. Let's go find three people. So um, it it didn't obviously work like that. I I was not showering in money and all these things that I thought was going to happen. I ended up being pretty good at it, but I didn't like the person that I had to become in order to do that. Meaning like every time you talk to somebody, you're like, oh, well, it sounds like they may not be happy with their job. Let me pitch them my opportunity. So it became kind of weird every time you talk to somebody. And I made some decent money. I did pretty well at it, but I just didn't like the social changes and, you know, and who I was and what I was doing. So I jumped to the next opportunity, which was selling life insurance, which I was really good at once again. And I I learned how to make 50 to 100 cold calls a day, which is probably the greatest skill I've still learned to this day. Wow. And the toughest thing was you sit down with somebody and you say, so you're going to die. You should buy this because we want to protect your family. We wouldn't want anything to happen to your family, would you? I felt like I was a bad mafia member, like, like, like threatening people or something. So I didn't do that for very long. Once again, you know, made some decent money, but I didn't stick with it. And I went from there and I I had learned that people were selling products on Amazon and you could do that and you could just buy things from China and you could sell it that way. So I'm like, okay, cool. Let me do that. So one of the strategies you do when you first launch that is you sell products really cheap to kind of get the volume of what you're selling going and get Amazon happy and saying, oh, look, this product is popular. And the way you do that is by giving away your products for a dollar. This genius left his 
dollar promo code on his actual listing. And when somebody discovered that, they bought all 250 of his products, which were gone very, very quickly. So now I'm out of inventory on Amazon and I have lost money. So didn't know what to do then at that point. So I actually taught myself web design, like CSS and HTML from watching YouTube videos. So I ended up working at a friend's web design firm doing a a pretty darn good job. So I decided I was going to launch a podcast. So I launched this podcast called Rock Your Life. Turns out somebody else had the name. So it became Rock Your Life. I got rid of the Y and the O and it just looked like I couldn't spell. So (laughs) it wasn't a very great show because I didn't know what a microphone was. I didn't know what you know, sound deafening material was. My interviews were like interrogations for the poor people that enjoyed agreed to be over there. So it wasn't very good. So I quit that after about 60 days, had maybe 100 downloads. And I decided, okay, cool. You know, it's 2015, you know, I'm getting married. What am I going to do for myself? You know, what am I going to do for my future? And I'm like, all right, well, let me just kind of start a podcast to kind of learn what I'll do for my future. But I'm going to do it more professionally than I did last time when I, when I launched this pathetic show that nobody listened to except my mom. And, uh, (laughs) so I reached out to the hundred people I most admired, you know, got a lot better tech and I had a really good response rate from a lot of those people early on. And we had 10,000 listens in our first 30 days. Um, the show has now grown to over 2.5 million listens and I've gotten to talk to many people that I really admire, which really, you know, led us to building the agency and everything we're doing now. Nice. Wow. I want to say there's a book, um, failure way to success or something like that. I should have um, wrote it. I should have. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I love I love like the twists and turns and, you know, uh, teaching and then corporate and network marketing. Like you like touched on everything. And, and you know, the first podcast, you know, and even the revision, the, <laughs> the rock your life misspelling to lead you to this being one of the top 100 podcasters. That's an incredible story and so inspirational. And keep trying, keep going, try and figure it out. And like you said, you were just trying to figure out what you wanted to do next and fell into what you love doing. So that's pretty exciting. You said you first decided to reach out to the people that you admired most, the top 100. That's pretty bold. Like most people wouldn't do that. So was that just, okay, I'm just going to do that? Or was that a little more strategic? I was thinking like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go big or go home. You know what I mean? Like I had done it the first time and it just, it, you know, I, I didn't want to do that again, I guess. So I'm like, all right, let me just kind of think big. And the, the first person I reached out to was, was Seth Godin. And he was super, super nice about it. He's like, hey, you know, I get invited to a lot of these things. So no, right now when you get to 400, I will, you know, like come back around. So he was episode 400 of the show, but I really thought bigger out of the gate because I had, I guess, failed so royally the first time. I guess I hadn't really failed because I didn't really like lose anything, but I had tried to do this thing so poorly. I'm like, all right, well, if I'm going to do it as professional, do it the right way. Like, let's estimate the correct amount of effort here and just kind of go for it. Awesome. Awesome. And these are really good tips for our listeners. I hope they're taking notes. This is really good. <laughs> go big or go home. You know, our current issue for Rain is our bold issue. And, you know, a lot of the topics and interviews are about how to find your bold and how to embrace your bold and, and just stepping out there. And I love how you said you just go big or go home. And that's so true. Like, why not? What do you have to lose? Right. Like, it's, it's like you could, if you make a weak attempt and you don't get it, then like, what was the point anyway? Like you weren't trying to succeed. Mm, right. Yeah. Well, I have a question from the standpoint of you having this 
interesting roller coaster ride to get to this point. Were there any moments of burnout? And if so, how did you handle those? I'll tell you what, the second time around, there wasn't burnout. But during that first podcast, the reason I quit was because of burnout. Mm. Like I realized the quality wasn't very good. It was making me kind of agitated because there's no planning behind it. So I'm like, I, I remember this one conversation with my wife. I'm like in the kitchen trying to record a, a podcast. And I'm like, it wasn't really like planned out. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to talk about this red wine I'm currently drinking. Let me just do an episode on that. And <laughs> my wife's like, it's 11 o'clock. Can we just go to bed? And I'm like, no, my fans need me. And it's like, she's like, you have no fans. It's 11 o'clock. Let's go to bed. <laughs> but I kind of, I kind of realized like, I don't know, I had put so much significance on it and I really wasn't doing yeah. a great job at it. So, you know, I ended up quitting. And honestly, like what brought me back around is I looked at that and I was kind of like, wow, well, number one, I was kind of a jerk about it. Number two, like I didn't know a lot of what I was doing. So let's go get some knowledge on it. But at the same time, I then took three courses before I launched the next podcast. So that's kind of too mm-hmm. much information. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, you, you need yeah. to find this balance between getting some information, taking action and being more professional at it. Because I think, Oftentimes as well, we can use those, I need more information and more training, more help to be the reason to not do something. You know what I mean? We can use an excuse to not move forward. So I had to kind of stop myself from being paralyzed in that way too. And then I guess once the show was rolling, I kind of looked at it and I'm like, all right, well, it's going well. And I made this agreement to my listeners like that there's going to be, you know, three episodes a week, you know, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So I guess based on that, then how do I keep it interesting for myself? And that's a lot of how I picked the interviews that I've wanted to have on the show is what's the value I can provide for the audience, but at the same time, like how can I make this interesting for myself? And I think that's why I've tried to steer away from, I do have a couple questions that I ask every guest, but it's because I'm usually very interested in in the you know response to that. Like one's what did people believe at 21 that they don't believe now? Because you get some crazy responses to that one. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) most of them are very flowing conversations, very real conversations where I just follow my curiosity. So that's how I try to manage that thing is I try to ask viewpoints from the question of what would the person listening to this want to learn? But at the same time, Mm -hmm. how do I feed my curiosity? And that's how it's it's kept me interested because that's one of the things you have to do, especially when you're doing an interview show. Like if you're you're not interested anymore, it's not going to be very good for the people listening to it. So I've had to kind of manage that. And I don't think it's really been burnout. It's just keeping it interesting for myself. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And, you know, as a newer podcaster, you know, just getting into the space, I'm I'm learning as I'm listening, for sure, I'm taking notes. These are all really helpful tips. And, you know, especially if you are doing interviews, if you're going to spend the time anyway, why not find the most interesting person or the most interesting topic to talk about? As I mentioned earlier, I love ancient history. And I'm like, ooh, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, okay, Nova, stay focused. <laughs> We'll have to do that later. And that's the thing, like, because I know before we were recording here, I was mentioning one of my favorite shows was a show called Hardcore History with Dan Carlin. I actually had Dan on the show not too long after four years of reaching out to him to try and get it done. So we had a great conversation, but then also you also bring that back around. Okay, well, this is a great conversation, but how can it help the people listening? So you try to bring right. it back around in that lens. And yeah. I think that's really the job of the interviewer is to make it relevant to the people listening. Yeah, no, that's great. Oh, yeah. I'm really interested in listening to the Hardcore History podcast. I know you said it's kind of long, but I'm like, that's okay. I do road trips often. So that's going to be good for me. Let's talk about PR because as I mentioned earlier in the conversation that how I found you is I was looking for PR and I realized that this is a new medium and most publicists that I was talking to is unfamiliar with podcasts and how to market them, you know, how to even get 
onto podcasts and what that even meant to help increase listenerships for podcast shows. Tell me about, you know, you went from figuring life out and then you launched your second or possibly third podcast and said, I'm going to go big or go home. And then you went big and then it became really big. Mm -hmm. And there was a process behind that. And then eventually you you, um, got drawn into the PR space to focus on helping other podcasters grow their, their shows through PR. Take me through that time period between going big and how PR helped you and then how that transitioned into helping others. Well, what really happened is we started doing this like done for you podcast model for people, which means like we edited your podcast, we built your website, we did your social media, we booked your guests, we did your interview, we did literally everything. And and one of the things we did was we got people on podcasts as like part of their launch plan to get on the show. And I can't take credit for that. My wife has been in PR for about 10 years and she's like, well, if people need to know about you and they're already listening to podcasts, they should learn about a new podcast. So that was one of the things we did there. And honestly, like we put together some really incredible shows. Like we had booked some really great guests for one of our clients that was building a podcast in the health space, like Dr. Stephen Gundry, Dr. Mark Hyman. Like we booked some amazing guests for him, but we just found like, a lot of the busy people we were working with, like they liked the podcast and it was cool, but they're like, man, this takes a lot of time. Like, how can I get the benefit mm-hmm. of what I'm doing here by just going on other shows? Like, can we just do that and forget about the other portion? So that's actually <laughs> where, where we went to then is we looked at, well, okay, well, it is a really great place to be in the podcast space because the listenership is growing substantially. Like there was 192 million Americans last year that were familiar with the term podcasting or, or listen to a podcast at least every other month. And that comes from Edison Research. So it's a very fast-growing space. And at the same time, there's a lot of benefits that a lot of other mediums don't have. For example, like when you're on a podcast, it's also in an online piece. So you're creating backlinks to your website. You Mm. have things that could be then made into social media content and used in all these different places. So it's a pretty incredible vehicle to get the positioning by being seen and interviewed by the right people, but also creating all these other benefits around it, right? Like, you know, you're getting, like for, here's a great example. Like for myself, I was born Jeremy Slate. My parents named me after a cowboy actor from the TV show Bonanza, which made it really hard for me to get found in search because he's also from New Jersey. Um, So I started using Jeremy Ryan Slate, and then I got the first 12 pages of Google from all the podcasts I was on. So Mm. backlinking and really creating your social footprint is huge from being in the podcast space more than just being on interviews. And then also there's the idea of, uh, are you familiar with authority score for search engine optimization? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, share more with us. Yeah, so authority score, websites are ranked on a scale from one to zero on how much authority they have. And what that does is the more authority, the stronger the backlink to rank your website so you get found in search more easily. A lot of these podcast hosts have very high authority scores. Like the two top hosts out there, I use a host called Libsyn, and the Mm -hmm. other one out there, Podbean, the two of the biggest ones out there, they have authority scores above 90. So just by going on a podcast, even if nobody was listening, you're still ranking your website. So there's a lot of different benefits. And then there's even the idea of niching, right? Like you can get in front of the exact type of person you want to be in front of. Like, it's crazy. Like I want to be in front of, you know, C-suite executives who have been in their business for this amount of time. They're interested in leadership. Great. We can do that. And that's just really interesting about the podcast space. You can't really do in any other medium which really blew my mind recently because I went into the world of diving into, well, how does radio find their stats? And uh, right. once, I, once I took a look about that and found out about the diary method where they basically found a thousand people in a city, they survey them and then multiply it by the whole population of the city. And they say, hey, this is how many million people we have listening. I was like, wow, in podcasts, we actually know who's listening. That other method kind of scares me. <laughs> wow. So 
There's so much to it from a PR standpoint for individuals that are trying to get recognized and noticed for their services or their brands as it relates to SEO and not just being heard by the listeners, but then also what it's doing for their social footprint. Is that something that your agency also offers or how would the person that's working with your agency then be able to take it to the next level with actually optimizing those interviews with for their social footprints? That's usually something that just happens, honestly, like meaning like by being on the right shows and, and being seen the right way, like the, the host, because they want to get traffic is going to optimize them already. So that's something that's usually happening. But also there's, there's the piece of we give all of our clients um, a course on content repurposing because you're creating all these content pieces, like you should be using them to create blog posts, you should be using them to create audiograms, you should be using them to write to your email list in a certain way to talk about them. So like you can create years and years of content if you know how to use this stuff the right way. So even beyond you know, just your web search footprint, like what you can create on LinkedIn or what you can create on Facebook, or you can create all these different places is incredible. And I'll give your, your listeners a little tip here. If they're really handy in the world of Facebook ads, the landing page you're going to send people to at the end of a podcast interview, put a Facebook pixel on that. Then run a ad campaign retargeting the people that have been to the landing page but didn't opt into your list or buy anything for you. That's going to be gold right there. Mm. And this is something that you offer your clients? It's something that we actually, you know, give them like a course on how to in- implement this into their own marketing program already. So it's not something we do for them, but we do teach them right. how to do it the right way. Wow. So it sounds like almost everyone should be using podcast interviews as part of their branding strategy. A hundred percent, because it's like I said, it's you're doing a long form interview where somebody gets to build a relationship with you because they're spending 20, 30, 40 minutes with you. You're getting the positioning by being seen in an interview with the right person. And then you're creating a content piece that you can just use all over the place. Like you should be using this stuff again and again and again. So I have a question because I do consulting and I have clients in the creative spaces. So for someone that's, let's say, a fashion designer and there aren't that many fashion podcasts out there, what would you recommend in terms of a category if you were working with them that how you would put them on the circuit of interviews? What would you focus on? There's so much to that though, right? Because it also depends on like what their personal story is and what their goals are. Because as well, like there may be some influencer type shows that are a good idea for them. They're, you know, let's say they have a social cause, right? Maybe there's a social cause tied to their business. So you want to go on some shows that talk about social causes and building that into your business, you know, like Tom's Shoes did or something like that. So it really would, there's so much you would need to know about that client. Because just saying, okay, you're in fashion, you should go on fashion podcasts. Like there's so much more to it than that because there's so much more to a person. And I think that's what's really incredible Mm -hmm. is you can find out like, maybe they're a mompreneur. There's great shows out there for that. And that's why you have to kind of, I guess, think out of the box in a lot of ways and take a look at it. Like, what is there about that person, their purpose, their goals, like what they're trying to do, do with their business, even how they're running their business. Like there's podcasts built around different types of business management systems. So it's really incredible, like what you can do. Like, here's an example of something we did that was like kind of off the wall. We had a client that came to us that she wrote a book and she had a business that helped people reorganize their homes when they got to a certain age so that they didn't hurt themselves because, you know, you get a little older, you can walk into things, you can trip, you can fall, things like that can happen. So they actually came in and, and reorganized their home. So we had to go out and find shows to get her in front of so that she was in front of the perfect audience. And we featured her in so many different ways to make that happen. So I, I think the really cool thing about it is it allows you to add more depth to the person and to the business than you could in any other medium. Mm, oh, interesting. And so how long does it normally take someone to get on a podcast as a guest if you start working with them? 
So for us, usually like we tell people since when they come on board with us, we're, we're doing a coaching call with them because we're, we're trying to get down what we call the three key elements to every interview and that story message call to action. Yeah. We put together a speaker kit. We, you know, give them access to the course, all that kind of stuff. So before they're on their first show, it's usually about a month or so. And, okay. you know, clients are usually with us for either six months or a year, depending on what they decide to do. But really, we're helping them to, to get out there, get seen, build some brand equity and, you know, create a bigger impact by being seen and heard by the right people. Okay. And are there stats, like averages that you would want them to have in terms of how many shows they're on that would really make an impact on their brand visibility? That's a great question too. So when we started this, we kind of did shows and I don't know why we ever picked this number with this, but we did. We did eight, 16 and 24. We're like, oh, they're all multiples of eight. And that's where we started. We found out that really our clients that were only doing eight shows weren't seeing this level of success of our clients that did 16 or 24. So what we actually did is we, you know, redid all of our packages, also redid all of our flow lines, how they worked, because also we were saying, we'll do this in 90 days or 60 days. And we found that it was kind of too much too soon with not enough strategy behind it. So what we ended up doing is going with 12 shows, which took six months, and that was usually two shows a month, or 24 shows that take a year, and that's usually two shows a month. And that allows us to kind of, you know, make sure we're, we're stepping them up in the right way, meaning starting on lower shows and growing and growing and growing as you're going through your package. And at the same time, making sure we're, we're doing correct orders of magnitude to get them, you know, seen and heard enough times. So you share that uh, great story with the author of that book, that very niche book. Can you share another surprise case study or client story where they joined on and then you know, here's what happened. Here's the success story, whatever that was, whatever that turned into from them doing the podcast circuit. So when we first started, like we didn't have a website, we didn't have a pitch deck, we, we didn't have anything. So I called somebody I knew and I'm like, hey, we can get you on podcast. He's like, what have you got people on? I'm like, nothing. So <laughs> we came to agreement that we were just going to give them this like, you know, special package to do the whole thing. And he was in the real estate space. And mm-hmm. it, the real estate space in podcasts is interesting because there's a lot of shows for real estate investing, like 90% of the space is real estate investing. So he needed to be on shows that were just for realtors because he actually taught realtors how to get their own leads besides using like Zillow or something like that. So I said, okay, cool. I'm like, yes, we can do that. I had no idea that we could do that yet, but we agreed we could do that. So what I then did is got him on all the top shows for realtors. And he actually did that little trick I was telling you about, about uh, retargeting the uh, landing page that he was using. So off of the 16 interviews we put him on at that time, directly from interviews, meaning his pitch right at the end, he did about $400,000 in 60 days from that. And then off of his Facebook ad retargeting, he did an additional $100,000 in the retargeting ads. So, you know, going on the right shows could be super valuable, but also at the same time, like he showed up in like, I'm going to teach you every single thing you need to know. Because I feel like when you show up as a scarcity mindset, as a guest, like you don't create the level of trust and things like that necessary for people to come and work with you. Because he even got off shows and hosts were hiring him and buying his products. So I think that's really the difference in when you show up the right way too. Did you happen to train him on how to interview? Does that, is that part of your... We did, yeah. He was the first person I trained on how to do an interview. And so it was kind of a process of us figuring it out. Like he went on a couple of shows, did it again, a couple of shows, did it again. And we really had it nailed after about three or four shows. And that's actually... To this day, the same process we use for each one of our clients, it's, it's kind of been tweaked and tested and we kind of know what the home run looks like now. So I'm curious. So podcasting is still n- fairly new. And then you have traditional PR, you know, where you can get on a local TV station, national TV station, and then um, radio interviews. How would you say this new medium in terms of doing PR this route compares to traditional PR? 
first of all, I don't want to insult anybody out there that's in those areas, but I, I will say this, right? PR for radio and TV, like it looks really cool. Like it looks really cool to be on TV. I've been on TV and you get some cool shots and photos and stuff like that, but they don't really have an idea of who's listening, right? Like they don't know who's listening in those spots. And this, you get the same thing with radio. Like there was a radio show here in the New York area where you pay them like 6,000 bucks and you do a half hour spot on a Saturday. It's like, who's listening on a Saturday? I don't, I don't know who's listening on a Saturday. <laughs> so like they may sound great and they've been around for a long time, but we don't really know who's listening to those things. And they've tried over the years to make it better and better and better. But the difference here is with podcasts, like we're getting you in front of the right type of audience, the right type of people. We're teaching you how to deliver, how to repurpose content. And there's actually public charts out there. Like we know what the top rank shows are based on statistics. And the main statistic that ranks them is number of subscribers in a 24-hour period. So like if you're ranking high and you're ranking in the top 200 in your category, you have enough subscribers to be there. You know, we look at review metrics like reviews. If you have a lot of reviews, I can tell you as a host, like it's really hard to get people to leave a review. So they really have to like you to leave a review. So if you're ranking high in your charts and you have a high number of reviews, there's most likely a really high number of niche people listening to you. And I think that's the real value there is being in front of your exact type of person and actually knowing like, hey, there are cool quality listeners listening to the show. It's a roundabout way of saying it, but that's what I would say the difference is. So it's very targeted in terms of who the audience is that's actually receiving that message. Correct. And that's why I always say to people like, the size of the numbers don't matter if it's the correct audience, because you can just niche mm-hmm, it down like so crazy. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. you can just go to such a level that like we had a, a client that he had a product that was sold to eye doctors. So we went out and found him all these podcasts around your eye health and, and eye doctors and things like that. Like it's incredible that how you can just get in front of your right tribe. Oh, I love that. All right. So I'm, I'm definitely sold. I was sold obviously before. <laughs> I was sold obviously before. That's how we met. But I, from a, a consulting standpoint and an advisory standpoint where I consult and advise other founders and creatives and brands, you know, having a podcast strategy as part of the launch or scale, you know, strategy is extremely important and almost necessary now. You know, I, I hadn't thought about it in the way that you're sharing it with me now. So, yeah, thank you. That's a, that was really enlightening for me <laughs> as an advisor. Glad to help. Yeah, no, and and I'm actually even more excited to be working with your team. So, no, this was really great, and I know that you're super busy, Jeremy. And I really appreciate you taking the time with me today to share some fun facts about your background and also how you got to where you are now in the podcasting space. And even more importantly, how what you're doing currently can really help not just podcasters, but anyone who has a story to tell, a book to sell, a brand to scale, and to understand how exciting this new medium is and how powerful it is. I mean, the fact that you can niche down as much as you said, really know who you're targeting, and then using that to really grow your social footprint. I mean, it's a win-win-win on top of just the interview and the relationships you're building, you know, through these interviews. So thank you so much again for sharing that. And what is the best way for listeners to find you? Absolutely. Well, I actually put together a really awesome training for everybody here in your audience, which will go over, you know, quite a bit of what we said in a little bit more in depth here. And it's only 35 minutes, which is awesome as well, which will, you know, at the end of that, give them a choice to find out more about how our agency works, or they can just walk away with some incredible value that they can apply in their business and their life. So that's over at commandyourbrand.com slash free training. And uh, they can kind of 
cut the curve on a lot of what took me years to learn and really get that down in just like a half an hour. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Talking about giving back. No, that's awesome. Commandyourbrand.com. So for anyone listening, you definitely need to check that out. There's no reason it's free. You heard about Jeremy's incredible story, all that he's doing now. And if you are in business at all or have a product or story that you want to share, podcast PR should definitely be on your radar. And uh, you could start with just the free download or the free training that Jeremy's offered or take it a step further and reach out to his team. So yeah, thank you. And then anyone that has questions for Jeremy or myself, please email me at nl at rainmagazine.com. As it relates to anything that we talked about today, again, that's nl at rainmagazine.com. Thank you again, Jeremy. I know you're busy and I appreciate you sharing the knowledge. And thank you again, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Unleash Your Supernova, where we bridge the gap between creativity and entrepreneurship. Be sure to tune in to our next show. As you know, we release a new show every two weeks. And um, don't forget... As we say at Rain Magazine, let it rain.